All right, hey, here we are. Um, thank you, Clifton, for joining. We are here now in episode uh, four for uh, our our podcast series on biblical friendship. Um, we are reading the book, uh, The Company We Keep by Jonathan Holmes. And today, uh, it's a, a great privilege of mine to be here with my friend, uh, Clifton Stewart, uh, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone Bible Church. So, and I, it's kind of weird having to do that weird introduction because I feel like we're just talking. Yeah, we're just and talking. We're just talking here. Yes. I'm, then, <laughs> I'm more of a threat to, <laughs> to biblical yeah. friendships. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, and I know that people, whoever's listening, most most people know who we are, you know. But I I, I do find that people outside the church listen too, so which mm. is pretty wild. Yeah, and uh, that that's that's pretty cool to hear about. So I just want to make sure everyone knows um, who we are and what we're talking about. But yeah, I I appreciate you coming on, and yeah, it's, here we are. It's uh, April now. We've been talking about this book now for a number of months. And uh, today we are talking about threats to biblical friendship. Mm. And yeah, like I said, I, it's just, it's really cool for me just to hang out with you, Clifton, and, and just to talk. And we talk a whole lot about a lot of different things and kind of, you know, riff and jam and, and all that stuff. Mm. So I, I really appreciated uh, the opportunity to, to come here and uh, just have this discussion, have this conversation. And I know that this is something that we talk about. Uh, this topic in general, I mean, apart from this book, so mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to getting your thoughts and um, seeing what the Lord brought to you as you were reading this. And, and as you mentioned too, Ashley um, read it, and mm. I'm sure she had her thoughts, so I know that, that I have some level of influence over over you. So, But yeah, let me let me allow, allow you to introduce yourself too, to uh, to the uh, whoever's listening, and um, and we'll, 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 we'll dive into it. Yeah, uh, my name's Clifton. I am married to Ashley. I am from Canada. I feel like people get mad when I don't mention that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm part of the same church, uh, Cornerstone Bible Church, down here in Southern California, in Orange County. Um, we've been here about two and a half years. Um, I'm friends with Francis, um, and that's something I tell <laughs> strangers and everyone I run into. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I get to work with youth, um, weekly, um, and it's a huge blessing and it's a, it's a good opportunity every week to be able to think about, um, friendship and, uh, just the ways that we can be better friends with each other for Christ's glory. It's a reason actually I love talking about friendship with you, like outside of podcast stuff is, um, the more you, you remind yourself of how much we, we need to grow in friendship and naturally makes you want to talk about it and rely on God to uh, shape our view of friendship. And so you don't have to kind of worry about being an expert on friendship, but rather it's the dependency on really wanting to be a better friend that um, I think that's where the Lord gets to provide so many good insights. And uh, I've already seen that through you getting to talk to the other guys. I kind of feel like, like uh, this is like, I'm like an epilogue to like the, the <laughs> no, main yeah. chapters of the other guys and you talking to them. But uh but it's a blessing to to hear and, and learn in this too. Yeah. And when I think about you, Clifton, you are, uh, a, you know, it's, it's very easy to be your friend because you're super friendly, you're super fun, and uh, you seem to enjoy uh, people and being around people. And it's probably no surprise to know that you have a lot of friends. Um, 
from a lot of different places. And so I just want to know how you do it, you know? And so I know we'll get through, <laughs> we'll get through that as we talk here, but uh, I feel like, you know, there are people that are really good at friendship and almost like, quote-unquote, being professional friends, if that's a thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, all joking aside, like, I, 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 we do... I do want to hear, you know, how you do it. And I know that's, that's kind of covered in um, the discussion today. So mm. yeah, looking, looking forward to that. But yeah, I think, you know, and as we talk about this idea of biblical friendship, again, like the, the definition, it's always good just to be refreshed on what we're talking about. So biblical friendship being defined uh, in, in the book being, um, you know, what exists when two or more people are bound together by a common purpose our common faith in Jesus Christ, pursuing him and his kingdom mm. with intentionality and vulnerability. So I feel like mm. uh, that's, that's such a powerful definition, um, effective definition, and uh, the need to to hear it and uh, be renewed in, in my mind about it. So I want to ask you before we get into this chapter about the threats of biblical friendship, Clifton, mm. just from the your, your reading of the prior chapters and then even from hearing the the prior discussions if there's anything you were particularly encouraged about or um or wanted to give uh, additional insights to or, or feedback or just get your thoughts yeah <clears throat> well i don't know i don't know if i can give more insights i mean i love to talk but yeah. um but uh, sometimes uh what can be sad is you never it's it's okay to to like talking it's not okay to uh, just adore the sound of your own voice. <laughs> so I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to just say a bunch of stuff to, to feel smart. What I do want to be loud about things other guys have been loud about, um, because they're biblical. And I think one thing, even from episode one onwards, um, that's awesome is like, when we're talking about friendship, we're not talking about, um, this is the information I need to go out into the world and judge how good my friends are. Um, this is information I need so I can be a better, uh, better friend. Yeah. Um, I yeah. really want to do that. Like, um, you know, even before coming in, we were talking about Ecclesiastes and how, um, you know, mm. we can, we can be so quick to think about a black and white route, um, to, to navigate life. If I do this, it will always be this. If I do this, yeah. it will always be this. Or if I yeah. pursue this, I'll, I'll receive everything I, I want and need and I'll escape tragedy, all these kinds of things. But um, even, even though that's absolutely true, we're always trying to find a balance between being faithful to Christ and being faithful to other people. Um, which means, um, I, I can't go out into the world and expect, um, all of these people to give me everything I want to need. Or another way to say that is I can't expect to learn about friendship and then go and try and, um, make sure all of my friends are Jesus or that I have a couple of Jesuses. I mean, mm -hmm. um, we all are supposed to look like Christ, um, but we can't expect our friends to be Christ. Um, the, the emphasis and expectation we want is to be dependent on Christ, look like him more in our own lives, inwardly first, so that it works itself out outwardly, and then be a good friend. And yeah. one of the amazing things about that too is God, God, um, God has promises to us about how um, if you work hard for the right reasons to be a good friend, um, God will bless you with friendships. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's lots of different ways that works out and lots of questions involved in that. But um, that is something that God does promise us, which means, uh, yeah, we should look to to be best friends with Jesus yeah. <laughs> and to focus on him and um, and dedicate our lives to, to being God-glorifying people and God will provide us all the means. We need to do that even better and friendship is a huge one of those. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that is... One of the things that, as I think back about what we've read and 
all the discussions we've had, that is one of the things that did come out loudly, and I hopefully hopefully that is uh, just one of the things that comes out among the loudest. That you know, uh, if, in order for us to have biblical friendship, it it's it's less about what other people are doing for us and mm-hmm. what we are doing, like how we are giving ourselves, mm. even when it's a threat to ourselves, and when we are exposed and there's a high risk of of um you know things not going as expected which is a lot of a big part of our discussion actually mm. um today but uh so yeah appreciate you you sharing that um clifton um yeah and, and, and i was curious if there's anything else from the prior conversations but that was a huge point um just you know about us being uh, being intentional about being good friends ourselves rather mm-hmm. than having the expectation of others yeah and and it, part of the reason we need to be loud about that is that's not like we can kind of hear that and say yeah totally and then turn around and like the the next time <clears throat> we hang out with our friends yes we don't realize all the expectations and that's one of the things you know that's in the chapter that's just before us um is uh man it is it is hard you need to get it like and like spiritually screw it deep deep into your soul yeah that the expectation is on me yeah. <laughs> like because that is just not the way we came into this world yeah. like we came to this world kicking and screaming and our first thoughts were you know life's about me so yeah it it is it is good to you know not be so hard on yourself that you just push yourself into a kind of depression that you're never a good enough friend cuz that's the other side that people can get stuck in but we also need to know our tendency of um, expecting much from others yeah. and neglecting um, the uh, responsibilities we have to be a blessing to other people and how um, much more of a blessed life that is um, to live in Christ. Yeah. Well, well, let's just jump into it then because, mm-hmm. yeah, I know that's a big part of the conversation or the discussion in, in this chapter. Uh, so in this chapter, we're talking about threats to biblical friendship and the recognition that we do live in a fallen world mm. and we're fallen people and friendship is one of those things that is able to display the gospel it's able to showcase the beauty of Jesus Christ so like anything that points to Jesus there is the very re- there's a reality that um there is a, there is someone there are forces out there um, there is Satan wanting to uh, muddle that picture, wanting to mm. destroy the message of the gospel um, in us um, or it being carried forward. And we were talking about that, right? And mm. <laughs> you were talking about how um, a sermon series and how helpful it would be for the, for the students to hear from Ephesians 6 mm. and how it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's not just for students. It's for all of us to recognize that. There is a cosmic battle, and that's what Paul talks about. There is, mm. you know, cosmic forces um, that are around us that we kind of dismiss. You know, we think mm. it's like maybe are we talking about Dungeons and Dragons? Are we talking about like fairies and wizards? <laughs> no, you could think you could talk about it that way, um, but that's actually fantasy. But you know, there is like evil around us yeah. that is um, trying to harm us and threaten us and keep us away from uh really looking to Jesus and putting our hope in him and um so just just recognizing that like there that there mm-hmm. is a a struggle there is a battle um 
that's not flesh and blood, but it's, it, you know, spiritual forces. So, you know, and that's, that expresses itself in just, um, in sin, mm-hmm. in, um, in just in and through you know, around us. And then I think the, the book talked about how uh, personal sin being a big threat. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, from what you read, um, what, you know, might have resonated from you, I know that there's, there's a lot to be said about personal sin and how it affects relationships. But uh, if, if we're trying to encourage one another, build one another up in Christ, um, all the more having no place in mm. a biblical relationship and in, in biblical friendship. So just, yeah, we were, your thoughts. Yeah, well, one of, the, <clears throat> one of the things he mentions in the book that's a huge personal sin to deal with is speech anything to yeah. do with speech and that's definitely one I think of a lot even this week I was I was kind of remembering about how 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 many big moments there were when I was becoming a teenager where I I could it was almost like being outside of my body and looking at my life and noticing how um part of the way I was maturing was that I didn't need as many experience with people experiences with people yeah. to solidify friendships and it wasn't in the doing of things that created friendships, but in talking, um, and just like, just sitting around, it didn't really matter where you were. It mattered Mm -hmm. what you were talking about and how you were speaking. Um, and so like speech ends up defining a lot of friendships, which means it's kind of one of the topics you can never like stop talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at least the way that, that I've seen, uh, just recently as I've been in the Proverbs and thinking about speech, is uh, you have to really have a God-centered view of what sin and speech looks like because sometimes sin and speech is obvious and sometimes yeah. it's not obvious. Okay. Um, so what I mean is like the really simple conversation about um, speaking well to friends is like, okay, sinful speech is like saying mean things or jealous things or yeah. passive-aggressive things, which yeah. is absolutely true. And it's really worth sitting and meditating on like how how much of – um, my speech comes out of me, um, because I just like have to talk about, um, my frustrations or my offense, um, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I was, I was just thinking of this because you were, you were, you mm-hmm. know, praising me for my friendships <laughs> <laughs> and like, but one of the things I like yeah. immediately kind of wanted to say with that is yeah. like part, you know, part of the reason that I, I love friendship so much is like, I've failed in friendship a lot. I've gone through phases of, um, being in junior high and high school and not having a lot of friends or having some friendships um, because I would um, be quiet and people mistook that for listening. Um, that is like, I'm sorry. It's hard, hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm yeah, not, I'm yeah. not lying. I'm telling the truth. Um, um, friendship. I, I had radical uh, changes for me in friendship from grade nine and 10. I had very few friends. I ended up switching schools, not for any particular reason, but just to try something out. I wasn't really leaving anything behind. And then I ended up developing friendships in grade 11 and 12. And yeah. um, one, one thing I realized, like looking back on that period is um, I, I ended up developing a lot of friendships from just realizing what people needed. Um, but that isn't really a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's almost exploitative if, if people could have seen my heart. And so what I mean is like, I just noticed a lot of people like to talk about themselves. And so if I would listen to people um, or encourage them, mm-hmm. then okay. I could make a lot of friends. And uh, even right. going back through the Proverbs and like looking back on that period of time, I can realize like that's actually sinful speech. 
Like, okay. like flattery is a big deal. <laughs> so, wow. so one thing, yeah. one thing that's okay. been like interesting I've realized is like, you, you can actually be really, really good at making friendships and not realizing they don't actually go as deep as you think because they're actually built on things like uh, flattery or gossip about other people yeah. that makes us feel good. Okay. Or uh, ways that we kind of build our self-esteem. Yeah. Or we unite on, you know, even, even you know, you, you could gossip about people, but you can also talk really negatively about how the world's an absolute mess and politics are a mess. Yeah. And, you know, this the rival sports team that we don't like is, um, you know, they're they're terrible and they're not like ours. Like, that kind of stuff, we can kind of create a lot of pseudo enemies and then insulate ourselves mm. um, with our speech. Um, insulate ourselves like the best part of the world is our relationship or like the best part of the world is... Um, um, the best part of the world is 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 just kind of us hiding in a corner and um, encouraging each other. Enjoying one another. Enjoying one yeah. another. And like, yeah, obviously, like we need to enjoy one another. But like the best friendships I have are people who are really quick to look outside of themselves. So um, one thing I was thinking about, um, I think it was just, yeah, just over two years ago when me and Ashley got married, we okay. were having a, a conversation about who we'd want in our um uh, our, as our bridesmaids and groomsmen. Okay. And at least for me... Um, that is very dicey. It's totally thing. dicey. Are you sure you want to air that out right now? Yeah, here? and you know what? Like, <laughs> you there's lots of confessions you have No, to... there's, there's lots. And, and uh, like, one of the things, yeah. we, we weren't ranking friendships. Uh -huh. Like, for, for us, there were so many amazing people that, that could have been in, in that party, and it would have yeah. been awesome. But when, I just remember one, one thing I, I did think about... Um, and it was, and, and there were a lot more people than just our groomsmen and bridesmaids that fit this quota. Sure. So it wasn't about specifying who was in the wedding party. Yeah. It was just about, um, just one way that I appreciated lots of different people in our lives past just our wedding party was that I just had a picture of like, um, being Sunday night at church and having a conversation with someone and looking over, um, in the pews and noticing other people who were not having a great day. Um, uh -huh. or meditating on the sermon or just being alone. Maybe it's a new visitor who's just alone. And I was thinking, how many friends do I have? Fortunately, it was a lot that would quickly leave our conversation to talk to that person instead and to prioritize, um, you know, leaving a comfortable space of enjoying one another to serve mm, other people. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there was a lot of people that we could think of, which was awesome. But like, those are good friends, like mm -hmm. good friends who aren't just thinking about your friendship um, mm -hmm. because actually that's when people have a lot of expectations on your friendship. Um, yeah. But the people who we realized who were really quick to look outside of themselves to serve other people around were the people who served us so well as good friends yeah. because they're just constantly thinking about other people. Yeah. And it, it just built me up so much to want to use, especially my speech, to, um, to serve other people in the right way and f finding that balance between not going so quick after their sin or their weaknesses that I would be a constant force of judgment. Um, rebuke is real and it's necessary, but finding the right ways and gentle ways to do that. And then the other side, um, not, not going so overboard with my encouragement that it becomes flattery. Yeah. And then I'm actually trying to gain from the friendship that way. I'm still yeah. trying to make the friendship about myself. Yeah. And I was thinking when you said that originally a couple minutes ago, uh, I think that's super helpful and just to even uh, blow that out a little bit more because sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know why yeah for for me when you said that 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 seemed to 
to spark something that could be insightful for a lot of us because I think to your point it's it's recognized people like to talk about themselves and we want people to you know to to enjoy being around us and 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 enjoy the relationship that we have and so for doing something that's making them more comfortable you know all why not mm-hmm. you know so yeah we're able to elaborate more just on on that idea of why why flattery is so harmful yeah well like, flattery is harmful cuz it's one of it's, there's a lot of ways to answer the question, but there's a lot of ways we can use our speech to either make relationships about ourselves. So for example, flattery, the way flattery works with that is um, I will give someone a compliment because I'm actually fishing for a compliment myself. Um, so it's actually not mm-hmm. a genuine encouragement. I just want to be encouraged. Mm-hmm. So that's one way flattery can ruin that. But um, flattery is also a way to commodify people. And so to not actually think of people as like souls that I need to like serve and build up and point to Christ. I think you just made up a new word. Uh, <laughs> which, which word? Commodify. Oh, commodify. Well, there you go. <laughs> Webster, I hope you're listening. Um, no, but I understand. Yeah, like the yeah. idea of what you're talking about. I hope, yeah, I think I understand. Yeah, yeah so yeah, like yeah. making people objects. Yeah. You know, there's obviously ways we do that. When we struggle with lust, lust for example. We yeah. objectify people. We make them more things for our pleasure. Yeah. And so... Um, like as a means to an end. To yeah. yeah. So I think of like students and myself when I was a student, flattery was a means of gaining lots of friendships and then quantifying my value based on how many friends I had. So yeah. it actually wasn't even about thinking about all my individual friendships and how much of a blessing they were. It was just getting as many friends as possible mm-hmm. so that I can look like a good friend without actually doing the hard work of, um, for example, putting friendships in jeopardy because um, there is a sin in this person's life that I really think they are on the, you know, walking beside a cliff yeah. and they gotta know now. Yeah. And if they really don't want to hear it, they might want to end the friendship. Yeah. That's, that's being a friend. Yeah. And that's way harder. And that uh, will not always make you popular. I know people yeah. who, I don't, I don't know their gifting, but they can say, they can say really difficult things to people yeah, and they just have a skill of still not losing the friendship right? without um, falling into flattery or like this brutal judgment and without manipulation. I do not know how they do it, but yeah. it is possible. But I think a lot of people aren't gifted that way yeah. and yet they still know like I don't have every, I don't have all the tact to do this well, but if I care about this person, I care more about them um, holding more tightly to Christ and looking more like Christ yeah. than I do about um, making sure they make me feel valuable by being one more friend in my pile of friends. Yeah, and so by God's so what, grace, how did yeah. change? How did how did you come to that recognition, or or even as you answer that scripturally, what what brought you to that understanding so that it, it modified how you thought about friendship? Yeah, a lot of ways. Um, Again, like failure mm-hmm. experientially um, and okay, just yeah. just like realizing like I remember being in college and um, just coming across like some of the lowercase r reformed um, points of grace, doctrines of grace and and how radical that was for me in mid-college and yeah. not really having a pastor to help me um, work out the practical implications of that. So I was, you know, what was called cage stage. And so I kind of spent like a year, I kind of qualified as I spent a year losing friends and then another year trying to regain those friendships back appropriately. Cage stage? Cage stage. So it's kind of like you, you come across truth and it's so radical that you think I suddenly have a perfect grasp on it and everyone's got to know it. Okay. Um, and, uh, 
what, what actually happens is you become very judgmental, okay. very insulated rather than a servant. And so that, that was an experience of failure that ended up um, kind of af- affecting me having to um, find that balance between gentle correction and while still giving correction, as well as like doing it for the purpose of building up and uh-huh. also not flattering. Yeah. Like, you know, so finding, so that was experientially, but scripturally there's all sorts of part going through the Proverbs is helpful. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, one of the places I go constantly is John 13 Christ okay. um, in the upper room. And before he goes on, you know, one of the greatest sections of scripture ever up until, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, talking about everything his disciples need to know about moving forward without him and what he's going to be doing on the cross for them and how he's going to provide for them after he dies and is mm-hmm. resurrected. And then before this high priestly prayer, that that all starts with him washing the disciples' feet and just knowing how uh, radical that is. Like both culturally, because it was like the lowest position you could have mm-hmm. was washing someone's feet it was demeaning and you can see that in peter's response like this mm-hmm. is crazy Why like expressing this? like love love in a yeah exactly way. Yeah. yeah in a very graphic way and then using that as the pinnacle of um i think it's john thirteen thirty five. um this is how others will know you are my disciples if you love one another so this becomes yeah. like the archetype of like what it is to be a disciple yeah is to um honor christ by loving people and doing it with that level of condescension in terms yeah. of like, um, not that you think you're the most amazing person, but that you will humble yourself before others. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also like the thing that makes it so radical for me is uh, he washed Judas's feet in that moment. Yeah. So like that, you just can't be lost on that. And it wasn't just like, oh, well, there's 12. I guess I got to, or I'm going to give away that yeah. he's going to betray me. It's like, no, there is, there is, um, there is a service to Judas knowing what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And um, the implications and like the depth of that, um, you know, we could be here forever. Yeah. But just, just knowing like there's... Jesus' you know, love for the disciples. Right. And humbling himself in yes. that way. And yeah, I could see that in um, the way that we want to speak. And like you were talking about speaking mm-hmm. truth in love. So mm-hmm. I, I think that you're getting at. And so that, that's what comes to mind. When I think about, uh, yeah, so Ephesians 4.15, is, it talks about speaking the truth in love. And it's interesting because we're talking about, in our conversation here, we're talking about, we're talking about friendship. Hmm. We're talking about flattery. And it's interesting because right before that verse, in, in verse 15, um, he's talking about how, in, in, in Ephesians, Paul's talking about how you know, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, teachers are there to equip the saints. And talks about, you know, why to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, and then he goes, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, cared about mm-hmm. by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about, you know, human cunning, craftiness and deceitful schemes, like how just like, you don't, we don't think about like our speech, you know, being a threat uh, to mm-hmm. biblical friendship, but that's... You know, it's one of those things where, like, if we're not really firm in truth, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, we can be harming each other, you know? And so, like, like you're describing, like, I'm going to stop being, I'm, like, I'm going to stop the way I speak in an mm-hmm. exaggerated way to gain friends. I'm actually going to be more tempered, be more sober-minded, mm-hmm. and be truthful. And this is, might be harmful for me in speaking truth, but 
um, I'm going to do it because of my love for you as a friend, yes. which is pretty amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you go through that calculus in your mind, but that's, you know, yeah. I think, I, I think that's what's happening. I, you know, so I, yeah, just trying to tie that. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's tied in with all sorts of things that you're trying to see, like, what's my heart doing in my friendships? Because, you know, when you have a good friendship, you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, your heart becomes more on display because um, you're just kind of set at ease and you, you just yeah. let yourself go. And so, you know, you, you can kind of notice how um, we can't erase, you know, all the sin of our life and just have the purest friendships ever. But I should do a good job of keeping a check on myself about when, you know, my speech is revealing my heart. So we're talking yeah. about flattery. Um, but like another way is manipulation, like manipulation happens in like the tiniest little things. Um, and flattery is kind of like part of that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's, that's kind of what's happening in Ephesians four there with the false teachers and stuff. It's like, and and it kind of helps a a way to think about friendship too, in terms of being a giver rather than being a taker in like a friendship, because you do receive things that are blessings, but part of the reason they're blessings is because it's God's grace. Like my job is to be a good friend. And as I receive friendships, like, wow, I don't deserve that. Like I'm a sinner. And so like the way manipulation plays against that sometimes is, um, we think we're so valuable or we have something so valuable. So we go into relationships and we say, um, here's all of the ways that, uh, you fall short or you need something and here's what I've got. Yeah. But in like a biblical friendship, what we're actually saying is, um, I got nothing for you except Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like yeah, right. what, I, what I have to give you is, um, is, is the gospel of Christ and how it can affect your life. And I can stand on that because it has nothing to do with me in terms of like, I didn't invent the gospel. I'm just I'm yeah. dependent on this in the same way you are. And then allow that you, if, if you enjoy that and live according to that, you will naturally start working out ways in which you're not telling, you're not pointing people to you in the friendship. You're, you're using the friendship to point them to Christ. Right. Um, which is great. And that's actually a good segue because in the next part, you know, and there's so much more about personal sin that was discussed and we mm-hmm. can go on, yeah, but tons. just moving forward here one of the other threats that were talked that was talked about was about having an incomplete grasp of the gospel. Yeah. So, uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that because I was when I had was writing my notes, I was thinking that for this whole and I I don't want to I don't want to over exaggerate the importance of mm-hmm. this section, but to me I was thinking that this if there's any section in this whole book that needs to be heard like super, super loud. It's, mm. it's this section yeah. because of how, when we have an incomplete view of the gospel, that it, it does undermine friendship because friendship requires communication and honesty and mm. transparency. And if we are not transparent about ourselves and we're trying to keep this perception of ourselves, which may not be true, mm-hmm. but if we, you know, if, if we don't want, if we don't, if, if we feel threatened, and we don't want to be shunned or isolated, um, then that will keep us from giving of ourselves. And so, like what you were describing before, like if yeah. you, if you did not have a, the right view of the gospel, you would not go out and speak the truth in love to your friends. Yes, you know. So, but yeah, yeah I don't want. To, yeah, what, 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 are, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree <clears throat> with you in terms of. I don't think you can overestimate how much an incomplete grasp of the gospel affects your friendships for the worse. Um, so like one, you know, I guess as, as you were thinking about being a better friend and the threats to it and how I can be a threat yeah. <laughs> to my friendships um, rather than my other friends thinking inwardly 
um, it's just good to ask yourself questions. I suppose yeah. like that's one way to really start to evaluate um, yourself in light of how good a friend Christ was. So one good question to ask is like, um, is there anything I'm looking for in my friendships that I'm not getting from my relationship with God? So for example, um, one way to think of the gospel, I think this has been talked about, but mm-hmm. the gospel is friendship. So if you look yeah. at first John chapter one, John says, I'm writing to you that you would have fellowship with us just as we have fellowship with the father and the son mm-hmm. and the spirit in, um, is mentioned later as well. So like the gospel is friendship with God and it was initiated by him. So, you know, that being said, if, if God is offering me a relationship that has now begun and goes all the way into eternity. So eternity has begun now. And that he provides absolutely everything I need. You know, Matthew chapter six, um, I think it's uh, 26 to 35. Um, God, the creator of the universe has a relationship with me, which means I have absolutely everything. It should limit what I'm looking for in my friendships. So Mm -hmm. my friendships do give me joy and purpose and pleasure and entertainment um, and value all of those things. Yeah. But if I, I want them to, if, if that's the ultimate place that I'm looking for those things in and not in Christ, I will not be a good friend or my mm. ability to be a good friend will be limited. So as I receive joy in my vertical relationship with God, it will positively affect my horizontal relationship with others. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Like, Jews and Gentiles are the mm-hmm. most polemic group of people you could possibly imagine, you know, more than Republicans and Democrats, <laughs> more than Lakers yeah. and Clippers. Like there's no way, um, on a worldly sense, yeah. these people could have the tools to get along. That's very impressive. That you pull up Lakers and Clippers, by the way. So you know what? I tried Canadian. to say it before and I yeah. said the wrong basketball <laughs> team <laughs> just to show what I know, um, which is not a lot, but, um, yeah. you know, with all of that going on, then Christ comes in and multiple times it, the explanation is the dividing wall of hostility is broken. Right. It's yeah. a cause and effect. Yeah. So like the gospel comes in. Yeah. The hardest relationship I could ever attain is now fixed. Yeah. And so that means every other relationship has hope. Yeah. <laughs> because, no, that's, that's you know? it. Yeah, man. Well, that's, I think it, I don't know if you remember from the last podcast, mm-hmm. it, we're talking about with Hyun, that's where like I, I did, Say I got chills when hmm. we're talking about how the gospel does bring unity to us as believers, you know, mm-hmm. because I was remembering your series teaching the, the students in about Ephesians 2, about our mm-hmm. unity in Christ. And it, you know, so all of that has been, you know, broken and we are now brought together in Christ. And that's something to really enjoy and celebrate and mm-hmm. to, to showcase so uh, yeah i know i'm repeating some of what we was in the lot uh, the prior podcast but just you know that's it's a it's a huge point yeah and it, i guess <clears throat> so if we could kind of put that if we could put that point into a phrase um because we're talking about threats to biblical friendship yeah. i think the phrase would be like one threat to uh um that that's connected with this idea i mean of an incomplete grasp of the gospel's hopelessness mm-hmm. i can just i can have something negative can happen in a friendship and so quickly i feel like we can say i wonder if the friendship's over like yeah. like that like um one of our sins would really be the cause like god dealt with my sin there's always hope for me to deal with my sin and for me to help um point people to christ so their sin can also be dealt with Mm-hmm. So any any disruption to the friendship has hope when you're actually centering it on the gospel mm-hmm. because that relationship was hopeless 
and yeah. we were given hope in Christ. Yeah. So that, that should fuel. I mean, I, I understand that kind of the easy way to, I think, fall into cynicism is to say, well, we can't be friends with everyone. Not every right. friendship lasts forever. Um, you know, Paul tells us in Romans, we can only have peace with as far as it is possible for us, which seems right. to indicate it's not possible everywhere. And yes, that's true. But don't let that turn into like cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> like like if, if, if a friendship has disruption and it is a big deal and you're working hard, um, you can trust in the Lord to try and help those relationships get better instead of just saying, well, I guess the only way forward is to end this friendship. Mm-hmm. Because um, that, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a strange way to think um, about, um, I mean, hopelessness is a super yeah. powerful thing, but the, the whole gospel is about hope. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and that's why the gospel is so, so cool that uh, we think about relationships and there is sometimes reasons to doubt uh, whether we can, you know, whether we, the, the way that people think about other people, uh, think about others, that we would, you know, doubt the, that there's any life in, in, in our relationships. And the, mm. the easiest thing to do is to, to exit and to move on. And mm. so there's, there's definitely that, uh, that threat and, um, well, and, and, and what I was thinking about here, and I just want to read this passage um, yeah, that, do it. that I think that was kind of, that was cool because uh, a huge threat can be too, um, and, and if we're having a limited view of the gospel as it, as, as we are secure in Christ, as our basis is in Christ how that can really harm our, our relationship. So, so I, wanted, I wanted to just read this passage because that thing was huge. And so I, I, I do want to double down on that statement that if there's any, if there's any passage to really take away from uh, this book, it's for, for me, it's, I think this was a key one. And mm-hmm. so it says, who are we right now? The biblical answer is that even as we are adopted children of God and counted righteous in his sight, at the same time we are, every single one of us, frail creatures who struggle with specific th- sins that are tied to our areas of personal weakness. Inadequate and inadequate grasp of the gospel fails to take sufficient account of the second part of that sentence. This tends to turn the Christian life into a purity contest and exercise in pretense. Mm. Faith, hope, and love become polluted by denial, fear, and mistrust. What shall we do about the fact that we struggle with particular areas of sin? Hide it? Pretend we are better than we really are? Or do we admit it and enlist selected others to help us in our daily challenge? And this is the part I bolded when I read it. The people intent on portraying a false image never let their guard down long enough to allow others inside. We often do this because our churches have a culture that classifies struggling Christians as inferior and undesirable. But the truth is we all, we all struggle. We all have parts of our character that are inferior and undesirable. And we will never have biblical friends unless we allow those inferior and undesirable parts of our character to become known to our closest friends. Hmm. The gospel is not only the most wonderful truth of all, it is the deepest and most multi-layered truth of the one we will be celebrating for all eternity. If you want to have biblical friendship, study the gospel until you realize we are all weak and needy. Then you will be willing to admit your own flaws to others, and you won't be shocked when you find out the extent to which weakness and neediness characterize even the greatest believers you know. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So, I know yeah, I I I had written that down. I mean, I I copied that and I noted that. But just hearing that what was, you know, your yeah your response. Well, man, that's a good quote that speaks for itself, which is really good. So even as I'm doing something, it's so full. I'm kind of 
jumping off of launching from that because it's so clear. It can give you a lot of good thoughts, but like, yeah, vulnerability is one of the most essential parts of a deep friendship because it gives people the ability to speak the truth to you in love. Um, that gets deep at your soul. So as you, you explain deep things going on with you, um, then you have the opportunity to implant better deep things within somebody and then vice versa to you. So, but then also see vulnerability is kind of like the hardest thing. So like one thing I'll realize is like, you can talk to even really mature Christians and they'll be like, yeah, I'll be friends with anyone. I'll go through anything, um, with them. I'll stand by them. I'll stick with them. The only thing I can't tolerate is betrayal. Uh Um, that's the only thing I would do, which is like, I, that definitely makes sense. I remember like thinking in, in biblical counseling, um, for school, um, just how much we had to talk about betrayal. Cause it's like the, it's kind of like the ultimate horizontal sin mm-hmm. against each other. But like, and, and it, it's, we should be offended and sensitive to betrayal cause it is awful, but it's also what happens every time we sin. Every time we sin, I'm betraying mm-hmm. God, yeah, <laughs> you know, right, I'm betraying yeah, yeah. the grace that has been given to me in Christ. And yet he forgives me. So all of a sudden, if I have like a qualification, I mean, yes, there are big things that make people untrustworthy of your vulnerability. Um, But try to fight as hard as you possibly can to say, you know what, the more I trust God, the more I can be vulnerable and basically take anything. So for example, if I share um, a secret um, to someone, um, maybe it's even an ongoing sin or, or, or a sin that I'm struggling with and someone goes and tells someone else, maybe it's a uh, total accident. Maybe they, um, were just thinking of you and it just came out and you're like, man, that's a, that's a brutal betrayal. You know, it's also a good thing to really realize like, you know what? They're just exposing me for who I actually am. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. They're, ex- they're exposing the fact that I'm a sinner that's continually saved by Christ and is continually being forgiven by Christ as he yeah. petitions before me to the father. So, um, yes, I can tell that person that was inappropriate to share. And I can also have hope that they, uh, can want to improve. Right. So when I'm talking, I'm not talking about these big betrayals where someone had this like masterful malicious scheme to ruin and ruin your uh, reputation and all that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is just the tiny little betrayals we're so paranoid of. Yeah. Um, which are actually really, we're just trying to like test people and look for excuses not to be vulnerable. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm we're talking about. And the, the more you trust in Christ, you can deal with those tiny little betrayals on a daily basis because you're just being exposed for more things you're being forgiven of in yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I know there's, a million wisdom things with something like that. But what we're just talking about is working hard to be vulnerable because it's so key. Yeah. And I think that's why it really gets to the definition. I think I was just looking back at how it was defined again. Um, so it's worth restating. And and, it's, and I know that we say it many times, but just, I mean, it's really, <coughs> excuse me. It's really in the essence of biblical friendship because if we're bound together by common faith in Jesus Christ, so that assumes that we know the gospel, right? So mm-hmm. we assume we know the gospel, so we're bound by that. We're tied together because we share this same faith, the same hope, the same love for Jesus Christ. Okay, that knits us together. So because of that, we're pursuing him. We're, we're, we're deciding that we're going to commit to this endeavor. We're going to pursue Christ, and we're going to do that with intentionality and vulnerability. So vulnerability mm-hmm. is the last word in that sentence, and it's... That's all of, you know, if that's all of what's described here that we're talking about is mm-hmm. if we're not able to be vulnerable, um, we are really, you know, undermining what we're trying to accomplish as we're 
pursuing Christ and we're trying to stoke this same fire, the same desire, you know, for Christ, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to work in us, to help us become more like him. And I, and I think for me, this, that part really resonated because I know for myself, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that, yeah, in this, in our church, in, in, in this world, it's not, it's just, you know, not isolated to any one of us, but I mean, it's mm. just, it's, 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 it's throughout this, our, our, our world that, you know, we don't want to, we don't like, we want people to like us, mm-hmm. you know, we want people to think we are better than we are. We want, you know, and we mm. want to be perceived in a, in a certain way. And, you know, we want to have honor. We want to have respect. We want to feel loved. And the the moment I let my guard down and show you a little bit underneath, I might lose that. Mm. And, um, and if I'm not basing my security in Christ, then um, I'm not able to let you in. Mm. I'll let you be in my kitchen. Yeah. So we all struggle. And the reality is, is that we are, I think we've said this several times already, but you know, we are far worse than who we, you know, what we perceive about ourselves, you know, because mm-hmm. of, of the depth of our sin. But our hope is far more than we, we know mm. because of Christ. So that's where the, the gospel is so huge in, um, you know, being in and through our, our friendship. So, um, well, I know, man, this goes by 45 minutes. So quick. Last couple things. Uh, well, last thing was just maybe a few minutes on um, one, one last threat was about false expectations. Yeah. So um, just with that, uh, what, what, how did you, you know, hear, read that? And yeah. What are your, what are your insights there? There's so many things. I know there's, <clears throat> We kind of talked briefly already about um, just not having an expectation. People are Jesus. People will yeah. fall short. Um, people will um, uh, people will sin against you in those little things, and and sometimes in big things because people are really imperfect. We're not just imperfect; we're really imperfect. Um, but sometimes I think one expectation is a a friendship will stay the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about this because we had. Um, Um, me and Ashley, when we were at our previous church, we had a lot of friendships Mm -hmm. with, um, like people in a similar life stage and we got that for like a a season of time. But one, one thing I remember when, especially when me and Ashley started dating and, um, just seeing our relationship in comparison with other relationships is we just thought about how, like, this is a temporary season because one day, just as we were growing close together, other people are going to grow closer together they're going to have kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to move. Re- the relationships will take on and morph and form. And you can't be mad at people for that. And yeah. I feel like that's where a lot of relationships dissolve is like um, different people, you know, they get a new job and you're like, you're not there for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And we can just expect like it was wrong for your life to go left because I wanted to go right. Mm-hmm. And then we start kind of, we're so, we get so important about controlling um, the comfort of our own lives that it starts affecting controlling other people's lives mm-hmm. and so ultimately as a christian your goal as a friend is to um desire the best for your friends um obviously the ultimate best is that they would pursue christ but a, a lot of the subsequent stuff is it's like they're going to make other decisions that's going to put a stretch and strain on your relationships 
And often they're gonna be a lot of good things and they're gonna feel bad for you because they will limit your only ability to see them and to grow close with them. Uh, one thing I was thinking the other day is sometimes it's other friendships. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are growing close with other friends. Yeah. And it's your job as a good friend to rejoice in that rather than say like, oh, you're, this other friend's competing with yeah, me. Get it, sure. get out of my, right. stop being friends with my friends. Yeah. And uh, that can be a wrong expectation is this person can't be friends with anyone else right. on a deeper level or on a better level. Um, (laughs) like, like your, your job is to go everywhere you can and want people to look like Christ and the, the blessing, even though it feels scary because we just want, we want those 60 year friendships, like we're just friends forever, but you know what? You're going to be friends in heaven forever. And God is constantly going to provide you people that will be another amazing friendship. And maybe it has a closeness that only lasts for a season just work at being thankful. (laughs) Just work at being really thankful for the friendships that you have so that as people change and grow, whether it's really awesome things or sometimes like even tragic things, that you would still pursue the best for them rather than just what's best for yourself. I would say that that is something that um, I do know in experience, not because I'm an amazing friend, but the times where I've been really humbled and uh, like rebuked by friends or by God's word, of when I've fallen short in that and when God is course corrected, it brings a lot of blessing. Yeah. It just brings so much contentment. Yeah. And it goes back to, I mean, again, one thing you said right there is how can I serve, you know, other people, you know, how can I yeah. get, so if they're enjoying it, like who am I way, who, who am I to kind of get in the way from that or to be threatened by that, you know, so forgiving of ourselves and mm-hmm. we're seeking others good as they are becoming like Christ. Like that's, you know, that's my heart for them. So why would I, you know, why would I be deterred by that? Yeah. And yeah. So, and then recognizing that, uh, yeah, just with those expectations that, you know, we are limited, right? So we can't be everywhere all the time. And, and I know that's obvious, but you know, I think sometimes like, I think you made a comment about, um, people sometimes being hurt when others are not there when they're expected to be there. Hmm. Which is, yeah, I mean, we're human and it's, you know, it's sad and it's disappointing. You know, we have expectations of one another. Um, but just, you know, recognizing that uh, other people are not God. And yes. our hope is not in other people or in finding um, our fulfillment or you know, our needs being met with any other person but the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so that's easy to say. And I know, I get it, you know, like I, I think it's, we've all experienced disappointments in life and, and people have hurt us and disappointed us. Mm-hmm. And it's because we've made investments and we've loved greatly. Um, and it makes it hurt more when those expectations are not met. But uh, that is, I think part of the reality of, of being in a fallen world and that people will we will disappoint each other. You know, I'll disappoint you, Clifton, you know, and yeah. if I haven't already, I probably have many times and I know I have many times. And so, <clears throat> but just recognizing that, um, our, our hope is in, is in God to provide yeah. and our, our needs ultimately. Um, and to put that on another person is, um, you know, not, not helpful. So, yeah. And by the, yeah. as a, as a super, super quick side note, a really good way to remove um, wrong expectations with friendships is just to pray for them um, because it's a really good way to think about them selflessly when they're not even around. Um, so yeah. if, if we can do that and, and point them to um, or, or just ask God to make him everything for them rather than us and us 
pray that God's spirit works in that direction. It, it, uh, is, is really good at killing, uh, wrong expectations too. Yeah. Well, Clifton, thank you so much. I know we are at our end. Um, I want to give you 30 seconds mm. to say like for, I know it's been 50, 51 minutes here. If you've been listening, um, if there is 30 seconds to like leave someone with, if they are like not paying attention and they're like, uh, what did you guys, you guys talked about a lot of stuff. Man, um, yeah. what, what, <laughs> what would be the one thing you'd want to want people to hear loudly from, uh, this, this chapter or just from what we've been talking about as it relates to the biblical friendship? Yeah, I guess maybe 30 second pitch to put on top is, I mean, as we talk about being a good friend, it can be easy to feel like a lousy friend. Um, and to feel like you're finite and, and weak and have failed in, in many ways, um, bring that stuff to Christ <laughs> Just yeah. as, as you pursue being a better friend, um, you know, pursue excellence and rest in Christ that, uh, your ability to be a good friend is not, um, a righteousness that's earning you heaven. Um, the righteousness of Christ has given you heaven, walk in the freedom of that. And, um, in the freedom of that, I think is when you learn to be a good servant, um, cross-reference Galatians five thirteen to 15 in love serve one another um the the reason we can do that is because of the freedom we have from being saved by the law rather than being bound to the law um and it's also the freedom to not sin um both the gospel gives us both of those things that really um allows us to grow and excel um without um being so beat up and and depressed um the ways when we naturally yeah. fall short I guess that would be awesome. something that's a nice, allowed. and I like that because a lot of a lot of what we've been talking about is like, you know, give like the, the really the basis of biblical friendship is us giving, but mm. then you're saying, like it, it it you know even in and of itself that's that's really not the answer. The answer is to to to, to really trust and, and rest in the gospel. Yeah, you know, for that too. So mm. I appreciate you capping this discussion off with that last comment, and thank you to everybody who were, was able to stay on track with us for this episode and um appreciate all of you listening and we'll close out our our conversation here thanks everybody and thank you clifton yes thank you sir thank you for being a good friend to me francis oh absolutely well (laughs) not you not me being a good friend to you i was gonna say absolutely you being a good friend to me clifton no thank you for being a good friend to me man (laughs) (laughs) all right bye everybody